Before we dive into this episode of The Storyteller Naked Villainy, listener discretion is advised, as this podcast deals with murder, domestic abuse, coercive control and stalking. For ad-free, early release and exclusive content, head to the Patreon. Details in the show notes. Now, let's begin. Previously on The Storyteller Naked Villainy, the hope of an investigator. One day, it'll come right, it'll come out. One day, perhaps, all will be made known. Brenda's sister detailed the unhealthy interest of Kit after their marriage breakdown. He was just following her around. She thought he was stalking her. She was never sure where he was going to turn up next. And cross-examination revealed an unexpected sideline. Was that working as an escort? Yes. It's taken 45 years to bring a killer to court. And for the first time in UK history, you'll hear the full murder trial and witness justice being done. It was a brutal murder of a brilliant woman who was a rising star in genetic research. It would now be almost like a script from Morse. The investigators swarming over the, the dreaming spires of university land. There was kind of palpable feeling of evil in the air. I was told it was just a mass of blood in here. Two decades on from confronting evil. So did you kill your ex-wife Brenda Page? Evil is being confronted by the law. Did you kill her? No. She knew it was coming. He said he was going to kill her. If he killed her, he would do it so that nobody would know. Will his true nature be unmasked? Are you familiar with the tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? And can Brenda's own words help secure her killer's fate? A letter of a death foretold. This is the storyteller, Naked Villainy, written, produced and edited by me, Isla Traquair. February 23rd, 2023, Brenda's 77th birthday, and the first witness was one of her oldest school friends, Diane Davy. They were born the same year. Instead of celebrating together, Diane was giving evidence over video at her friend's murder trial. Advocate Deputy Alec Prentice began asking about their friendship, and Diane explained they'd always stayed in contact. They'd seen each other on Brenda's trips tip switch. Diane had also gone to visit Brenda when she was a newlywed in Edinburgh in 1973, and years later to her flat in Aberdeen after the marriage ended. Did you speak with her about her relationship with Kit Harrison? Uh, well, yes, because by that time she had been thrown out of the house in Mile End Road by Kit. And obviously uh, she was telling me what happened and um, I, I knew previously that there had been problems um, because um, she, he, he, well, one of the situations was when I was in Edinburgh, he threw cups of water, cups of tea over her when he got angry because the tea had got cold and I know she wasn't happy that 
she was having to provide the, she did all the work and he didn't really do any work, so she was supporting, supporting him. Uh, so it was obviously uh, not a, a particularly good marriage, I don't think, and I, and I know that he'd attacked her and because she said that uh, she'd been in hospital at some point because he'd attacked her and she'd had hemorrhages behind her eyes uh, and also she found it difficult to sort of bend at times because she had an injury to her back but she said he'd also caused her to have. Did she say how he caused that to happen? I think he hit her. I don't know for sure, but I think that's what she said. Did he attend at her flat in Allen Street in Aberdeen when you were there? He, yes, he came round once or twice. Uh, once was a morning after there'd been an open night at the university and he'd been banned from going and he he insisted on speaking to Brenda and he got really, they went into a room and I could hear them talking but I don't know what was said and he came out really angry and then he came around the next morning and apologised but he, he, and then he got a bit aggressive again and I said to Brenda, you know, you really shouldn't have him come round and she said, well, she had he couldn't not have him come because she was frightened that he, he would damage her car or, or damage, attack her cat. She had a cat that she was very fond of, so and she really seemed to be quite terrified of him. Do you know if she had a, a sideline <coughs> job, an extra job beyond her work at the university? Uh, you mean the escort? Um, yes. Yes, I did, because one night she did go out and she explained that she was doing that because she was paying for um, Mile End Road, Allen Street, and also she was having to pay for her to get a divorce. Uh, and when she went out, she always went by a taxi and met these oil um, gentlemen from the oil industry and they just went for a meal in, in, in posh hotels in Aberdeen and she always had a taxi back so um, you know, it was just a case of earning just a bit more extra money to pay for all the expenditure that she got. Were you concerned about her working in that way? Well, I wasn't too happy about it, but on the other hand, it seemed perfectly respectable. And the fact that, you know, she made sure she always went by taxi and she always came home by taxi. So whoever she'd been with would have no idea where she lived. Did she appear to approach that work in a responsible way? Sorry, I don't understand what you mean. D did she appear to approach the escort work in a very responsible and safe way? Yes, I would say so, yes. Was she security conscious in her flat? Yes, yes she was. Um, 
obviously she went to work and she gave me a key so I could go out and look around Aberdeen and she said, for goodness sake, be careful that you lock up properly. So I guess she was very secure that, you know, it needed to be locked if I went out. Was she concerned about anything happening when she was away from the flat? Yes, I think she was concerned that, you know, maybe, as I said, that she had a cat and she was very fond of the cat and I think she was worried about that. And uh, I also think she was worried, you know, if her car was damaged. And, 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 and I don't know whether she was worried that Kit would somehow get into the flat. That I, I don't know. Was the flat kept clean and tidy? Yes, yes, certainly. Was Brenda someone who would look after the flat and keep it clean? Well, yes, definitely. Um, she was a very conscientious lady and she, she worked very hard. I mean, going back to when they lived in uh, Edinburgh, I mean, she did all the decorating and the, and, and the cooking and cleaning. Um, so, and obviously she, she continued to do the same when she was in Allen Street. Did she appear to be happy when you were with her in Aberdeen? I think she was concerned about whether Kit was going to um, molest her anymore because I think the fact that she, he threw her out of Mile End Road and she had to go to somebody that she worked with because she was bleeding apparently quite badly uh, and she had to get her father-in-law to go and collect her clothes from Mile End Road because she was too terrified to go and collect them herself. But I mean, when we were out together, you know, she seemed to be happy, but there was obviously, she had worries and concerns. Did she ever tell you about any action she proposed to take to stop Kit from pestering her? Yes, she took out, um, I don't know what it's called, but where she's in an, an order so that he wasn't allowed to come near, um, near, I can't remember what the word is, but yeah, she was an injunction yeah. so that he, he wasn't allowed to be near her. Do you recall her writing to you, indicating that in a letter? Yes, yes, she put it in a letter to me, yes. No. And I, I, I don't think he adhered to her because she had to go for work to Mexico and she changed her flight so that he wouldn't pester her and he he got onto the flight and even came beside her. Uh, and I think that was even after they were divorced. So he didn't adhere to the um, rule that he wasn't supposed to go near her. Now, do you have a, a document, a letter um, in front of you? I've got copies of letters from Brenda, yes. Yes, all right. That, well, we, we call that production 32 and it's dated the 19th of December 
1977. Do you see that? Yes, yes. And it's a, a letter to you, is that correct? That is correct, yes. And in the second paragraph, does it say this? Hope you are well. Things are well with yes. me. Have put an interdict to Kit to stop him pestering me, so I have at last got peace along these lines. It's very pleasant. Do you see that in the letter? Yes. When was the last time you saw Brenda? I saw her the week before she died. She came to Ipswich uh, in July 1978. And obviously we met up. Um, but but she, she seemed a bit <coughs> concerned and worried about going back, but she didn't give any reason. And in a way it was a bit strange because she just had a promotion. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't know why she was, she was concerned about going back to Aberdeen. Did you later learn of her death? Yes. Yes, and I was deeply shocked. Um, um, I, I just couldn't believe it. All right. Thank you very much. That was the end of Diane Davies' examination in chief. But before you hear the cross-examination, I want to warn you, she has to repeat much of what she's already said. But listen carefully to the subtle and not-so-subtle challenges of her memory, specific wording, and crucially, of how she learned of certain information. Would you agree with me that the majority of your information about the relationship between Brenda and Kit came from Brenda? Her telling you things? Yes, yes. That there were, on your evidence, a couple of occasions when you actually met Kit, is that correct? Well, I stayed in Edinburgh for about a week, so I was in contact with him for a week in Edinburgh, and I certainly saw him throw cups of tea over Brenda, and he was quite often argumentative with her, uh, and also he, you know, he didn't, Sort of, I don't think he wanted me to be there. I didn't feel comfortable in, in his presence. I don't, I don't, I can't remember whether he had meals with us or not. But certainly, he used to go out in the in the evening, um, and during the day, he he, he just seemed, he didn't go out to work. He used to go out at night because he said it was quieter to work. At that time, so far as you knew, was he studying for a PhD? I don't know what he was studying for. Did you know he was studying? Well, yes, because as I say, he went off at night. Um, 
but I don't know what he was studying. Okay. You mentioned there something about cups of tea. Yes. Uh, and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. What happened so far as the cups of tea are concerned? Well, it seemed a very strange thing for anybody to do, to throw cups of tea over, over somebody, because he just got angry and just seemed to throw them. Um, one time he said, you know, the tea was cold, uh, but then other times he just did it. Um, it just seemed a very strange behaviour. Uh, are you suggesting that it happened more than once? Well, it certainly happened six times in the week that I was staying. Six different times? Yes, six different times. What did you do about that? I mean, Brenda tried to calm him down. Um, and I mean... I didn't feel it was my place to interfere at all. Um, what did you say about it? Um, well, I think I, I think I probably said, "What are you doing?" I can't. You know, it's more than almost fifty years ago, so I can't remember what I said. I mean, it was was just the fact that he did it that was in. I've never forgotten it. Just seemed such a strange thing to do. You've said that it's almost 50 years ago, and that's right enough. It's certainly 45 years ago, give or take. He then refers her to the statement she gave to the police after Brenda died. Does it say on one occasion during that week he threw six cups of tea at Brenda because she had not done something to his likeness? Yes, I see what you mean. I think over the years I've thought that it was six occasions rather than one occasion with six cups. I apologise. Well, no, don't, don't apologise. I'm going to ask you a question about it in a moment, but are you quite happy to accept that what I have read out to you is what you said to the police? Yes, yes. I mean, obviously, I've, I've, I've just... Pre- I remember that there were six cups involved and I just, I suppose over the years, I just presumed that it was six times rather than one occasion with six cups. Yeah, I'm just wondering, and it might be that you can't help me, but I'm just wondering how it is that on one occasion Kit threw six cups of tea over Brenda. I I don't know. I obviously don't remember. Um, Would you agree with me it doesn't make an awful lot of sense? And, well, I don't know, possibly what he might have done was to have stored up six cups and then then brought all six cups and did it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember. I, I was going to say that, I mean, obviously when I made the statement, that was what I believed or remembered what had happened. This is where Casey Brian McConaughey uses the passage of time to suggest to the witness that their recollection is wrong. But he goes one step further. My information is that there was never an occasion when Kit threw a cup of tea over Brenda. That it simply never happened. Sorry. 
My information is that that simply did not happen. Well, I, I, would I have said it in statement if nothing had happened? I mean, it was something that I remembered had happened, but obviously, I perhaps hadn't remembered complete detail, but I mean, he certainly did throw tea over Brendan. Mr McConaughey goes on to question her about Brenda being thrown out of the marital home and she said she thinks that Brenda told her that in a letter but admits she did not personally witness it. He also asks her about the suggestion Brenda was fearful Kit might harm her cats. You also spoke about her concern for, amongst other things, her cat and the possibility of Kit, somehow or other, harming her cat. Well, that's what she felt that he would possibly do. Well, that's what she told you? Yes. Did you know that she gave Kit a key to her house in order that he could feed her cat when she was away? No, I was not aware of that, no. So, if that happened, that's something that Brenda didn't tell you? Yes. You also spoke about her having some sort of problem or problems with her eyes. Yes. Were you aware that she had suffered a bad attack of measles as an adult? No, I was not aware of that. Do you know if measles can affect your eyes and your sight? Yes, I do. Yes. But she told me that her eyesight, she had to go into hospital because there was a, she'd had a hemorrhage on her eyes because Kit had attacked her. Yes, that's what she told you. You didn't see that? No, I, I didn't see it. But that's what she said had happened, that he hit her and caused a hemorrhage in her eye and she was hospitalised for a time. You were also asked about her part-time occupation working for the escort agency. And you described her, I suppose, attitude to it as being a responsible one. Well, she needed the money to pay for the flat in Marland Road, the flat in Allen Street, and also she had to pay for her divorce proceedings. She'd been supporting Kit all along. Did you know that she received a cash settlement in the divorce proceedings? No, I didn't know that. That she received £6,000 in the divorce proceedings? No, I didn't know that. So that's something she didn't tell you? That's correct. He returns to the issue of Brenda's work as an escort and asks her to repeat what she meant by her being responsible about it. And she says Brenda took taxis to make sure the gentleman didn't know where she lived. Once again, that's what she told you? That's, that's what she said, yes. Hmm. And I have no reason to disbelieve her. Of course not. Did you know whether she carried on a relationship with any of the people who she met after having met them in the context of the escort agency? But I do not know. So again, if she did, that's something she didn't tell you? Yes. 
And if she had any of these people back to her flat, that's something she didn't tell you? Well, no, but I presume she didn't because of making sure that they didn't know where she lived. Be because that's what she told you? Well, she didn't want them to know where she lived. No, that's why she had a taxi into Aberdeen Centre and also a taxi home so that, that they didn't have know where she lived. Did you have a concern about her working as an escort? Well, I wasn't, wasn't too happy about it, but I understood the reason why, that she needed the, the money. On her account, she needed the money. He pushes her to clarify what her concerns were about Brenda being an escort. You, you said people sometimes get the wrong idea. What, what do you mean by that? Well, well, as if some people would have thought possibly it might have led to prostitution, but I, I don't think it was that at all. I mean, I think it was just a way of earning m money. You, you mentioned something about the fact that she had gone to Mexico. Mr McConaughey went over her evidence about the conferences in Mexico and Austria. She said she didn't know that Kit had gone to Vienna and they'd shared a room. He also asked her about Kit turning up to Brenda's work. And you said something about, I think, that Kit appeared to be either angry or annoyed. Well, apparently he was banned from going to the university. And he came in and, and started to get argumentative with Brenda. My understanding is the only incident that ever took place at the university involving Brenda related to missing samples related to Dr. Harrison's PhD thesis. Does that ring any bell with you? No. Okay, thank you very much. Before we get into the next witness, Nicol Hosey, I need to let you know he was in the witness box for some time. He was Brenda's divorce lawyer, and his evidence is important, so I want you to hear most of it, plus the lengthy cross-examination. Are you Nicol Massey Hosey? I am. Could you tell us your age, please? A 72. What is your occupation? I am an employment judge. Did you qualify as a solicitor? I did. When was that? In 1974. He was a junior partner at the time when he was engaged by Dr Page in June 1976. When she first consulted you, what was it in relation to? Uh, she consulted me initially concerning um, a house purchase and also a divorce. At that time, uh, in June of 1976, was that just before the change in the the grounds for divorce in, under Scots law? Yes, I believe it was. Right, so that, but what were the grounds I, for the divorce? I think at that time it was termed cruelty, now known as unreasonable behaviour. Right, so at, at this time, the, the ground being proposed was one of cruelty, which later evolved in the law to unreasonable behaviour. That's that correct. Right? All right, thank you. Did you understand that Dr Brenda Page was a, a well-educated and articulate person? She was indeed. Right. What 
advice did you give her as to how this was to be progressed? I recall that when she first consulted me, as she put it, she had been thrown out of the matrimonial home. He explained that first he helped her with the purchase of the flat on Allen Street, which she moved into around August 1976. The other advice related to divorce proceedings, and that related to the conduct of her husband. Did you ask Dr Page to set out the things that she said justified the divorce? I did, and I guess I was in the fortunate position that because of her intelligence, very articulate lady, that she was able to write to me with details rather than me sitting down and taking her statement from her, yeah. which she did at some length. Are there some occasions when you would have to sit down with a client and start at the beginning, yeah. ask lots of questions? Yeah. It was easier with Dr Page yeah. because she would write to me and then come into the office and I would pretty much use her letters as a basis for framing her recognition and the basis for, in due course, the summons at the Court of Session. The letter you are about to hear is the one that was shown to Rita so she could identify her sister's handwriting. Do you recognise that as a letter on University of Aberdeen headed notepaper? I do. And is it dated the 22nd of June 1976? It is. And is, is this a letter from Brenda Page? Yes. This is typical of the correspondence I received from her yes. and formed the basis for the divorce proceedings. And was this a letter which she sent you following the consultation with you and at which time you asked for details? I would imagine so, yes. Okay. And do you see a paragraph that is headed, Aggression Underlined? Yes. Could you read that for us, please, very slowly? Aggression, constant, with, with threatenings resulting in physical damage, on average once every six months. Damage needing medical attention. April question mark tenth nineteen seventy three. Admission to casualty Edinburgh Royal Infirmary with dreadful head pain and vomiting overnight. Stayed stay in ward twenty. B hemorrhage inside the inside the eyes. Uh, I'm not sure what that says there. Nineteen seventy two seventy three tests and observations. I department, Western Infirmary, Glasgow, did not admit to physical assault to physicians. So that last part she said, did not admit to physical assault to physicians, is that right? Yes. It continued. C, January 1975, profuse bleeding from a head wound, examination at Woolman Hill Casualty. Bleeding stopped, no stitches needed, Therefore, discharged myself to avoid a large number of X-rays. Dr. Michael Childs attended. D. 20th of June, 1976. Leg grazing and bruising as a result of being kicked. Swollen lower lip. Hair tufts pulled out. Examined by GP Dr. Grieve. Rubisol Place. No treatment. And I, I rather think that that was when she said that she was her words, thrown out of the matrimonial home. His general threatening and disorderly behaviour outside the house is well known, especially at his work. There would be witnesses of this if required. On numerous occasions has told me to leave the home, which resulted in this happening on 20th June, when he started tearing my clothes 
and promising to kill me if I didn't go. Just pause there, thank you. And concluded there by saying, and promising to kill me if I didn't go, is that right? Yes. He did lots of damage to walls or doors recently painted by me through my, not sure what that is, into the fireplace. Crochet, it might be crochet. Oh, crochet. The next heading was accusations. Accusations of stealing from him, small items in his room slash study, swearing my possessions were his, nothing he termed ours. There was more, but the AD stopped him there and asked him to read out a section headed Mental Torture. Continuous criticism of face, figure, any task completed, performance at work, diction, forced to lock any door which had locks at the time, brackets, top door, landing, exclamation mark. Was not allowed to put anything on polyurethane worktops in the kitchen without a mat. Was forced to perform unnecessary, brackets untime consuming, things to look after things properly. Never allowed to look at vast collection of books in case I wrinkled pages. Was not allowed a television or to listen to programmes he didn't like. He came into the room and switched it off and went out again. Is there a heading, Unreasonable Jealousy? Yes, there is. Please read that for us, please. Unreasonable Jealousy. He had a de dreadful jealousy of any man who I met, accusing affairs which were quite nonsense. If hair smelt of smoke after being in a smoky train, I had been to bed with someone who... Smoked? Smoked, exclamation mark. He constantly spies on me at work to see where I am and what I am doing. He expects a, quote, hermit-like like existence, unquote, not letting visitors in very easily. And in June 1976, stated that none of my family would ever enter his house again. He had just spent a week refusing to speak or eat with my recently widowed mother. Thank you. We can put that to one side. So is that letter... Or contained some of the information that allowed you to start the process it, it of did. preparing for the divorce. These were Brenda's words in her handwriting, which we saw projected on big screens. Words which in those days were viewed differently, despite the level of abuse and control listed. Nevertheless, it was evidence which formed the basis for her divorce and which were heard in the court of session in Edinburgh. You can't help but wonder if it had been a criminal court and not a civil court, if the outcome would have been different. Little did Brenda know that this letter, written in June 1976, would be scrutinised in a trial for her murder more than four decades later. In the next episode of The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, a shocking plea by Brenda in the event of her death. If I do depart this earth rather suddenly, do please make sure I get a good PM. An angry outburst at the lab which prompted Brenda to seek a legal order. I had a repeat performance of his outrageous behaviour, which made me very frightened indeed. And an admission of surprise by her lawyer upon learning of her escort work. It came as a surprise to me. It was at odds with the way she presented. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review as it makes a huge difference to guiding people to hearing this important story. 
This is an entirely independent production and your support is greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear exclusive interviews, longer episodes and insights, please head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. This is a piece of history and you are for the first time in this format witnessing justice being done.